It's time now for the complete story with Rich and Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here are Rich and Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich, whether we call it draining a swamp or moving an elephant or making a change that people are so frustrated about and have been wanting and wanting and wanting. They have been promised and promised and promised there will be a change upward, by the way, not downward. Let me tell you, a change when it's downward, that's just falling downhill for heaven's sake. That's not progress. That's just falling downhill. And the reason we have a swamp, the reason we have these problems is because our politicians have promised and promised, but they never, never deliver. I don't know if that's what they have in mind in the beginning when they're running for office, but that's kind of the way it works out. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's this turmoil because somebody wants to put the brakes on and start it in reverse. And you turn things around. I mean, that in itself causes consternation, doesn't it? That causes a lot of upheaval. That causes everything. But how are you going to build something if you don't drain the swamp? I mean, um, since I've been thinking about this and this whole idea of a, um, of a wrecking ball, wow. And then somebody, Jim Garlow out in San Diego, told me, well, Dick, he felt the same way about what's happened right now. He said, but then it came to him that a wrecking ball is what you need in order to get things cleared, get the stuff cleared away. And uh, I know when your mom and I are driving on this certain Highway 435 in the Kansas City area and I make a turn, there is an office building that was just kind of decrepit. It was just kind of worn out. Uh, it, was a, it was kind of a bit of a mess. And the only way to take that nice piece of real estate and do something with it, guess what? You bring in the wrecking ball, and that clears away the old stuff. That breaks it up, and that gets rid of it. Haul it away. And now after several months, maybe it's even close to a year, the most beautiful office building is being erected. Pretty close to being through, it will be probably open for possession uh, in not too long. But just watching that construction reminded me that's a little bit like America. What say you? Well, I think what you're talking about is getting back to the foundation of our country, which is the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America and restoring those liberties that the Constitution is there to uh, protect. And that's the duty of government is to protect the liberties of the uh, of the citizenry. Yeah, These know, are God-given liberties, and people, we, we have to remember that. People can say, well, Dick Bott, look now, you're an old guy, so you're just old-fashioned to begin with, and you're just always looking at the way it was, and I'm telling you, the way it was, everybody was proud to be an American, and the way it was, we were proud to have other people coming from other countries, but then when you examine it, folks, learn your history. When you examine it, they were 
coming with someone here already to help them, provide for them till they got their feet on the ground, till they were able to produce, till they were able to get a job and earn through hard, their own hard work, <clears throat> their own contribution. I mean, that's the way it was. That's the way I understood it. And I was pretty pretty aware of how, what was all happening. But Maya was a wonderful thing. People coming from every country, from Africa, from Mexico, or from Italy, or from wherever they came, from wherever they came, but they came according to the rules that had been established. Now, I'll tell you, if you have a church, or you have a family, or you have a business, or you have anything, you have rules. You have rules that in America, it's wonderful because the rules are voted on by the by the members. The rules are voted on by the members, and then they're adopted, and they're supposed to be seriously adhered to. But over the years now, my word, over the years now, when you start ignoring the rules, all you do is get into trouble further and further and further. So this is where we are now this immigration stuff and all of these things if we don't establish the rules and then go go along according to them that's what we get into big trouble when we have these people attacking law enforcement when you have people um, attacking policemen for goodness sake those folks are hired to, to do their job they're hired to help people I mean, when you have a problem, who does the first one you call is a policeman? Some policemen are better than others, but it's the populace, it's the voters, it's the members of the of the society that are supposed to in America. See, that's the beautiful thing. We don't have a despotic ruler. We, the people, are Caesar. And if we don't take it seriously, of course, whoever is the big shot, they run away with it, and it never is a plus. It always is a minus, and then you start handing things out for nothing, supposedly for nothing. Why, then people kind of get captivated with that, don't they? Well, like when somebody wants to come and visit into your home, you want them to come in through the front door and knock and then ask permission to come in. And so then you get to decide whether you want that person in your home or not. You don't want them to come in through the back door or through the basement window and then just say, hi, I'm here. Well, yes, hi, I'm here. And by the way, let me sign up for everything in sight. Well, yes. Well, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. But so all of these things have been on my mind. And uh, I want to start this program off just kind of reflecting and sharing, sharing some of these thoughts with people, there was something that was uh, in my uh, in my archives from some time back, the Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag. Now, listen, before we do that, I want you to think how offensive that is to American citizens, because the flag is the symbol of who we are. The flag is the symbol of who we are. If, I don't care if you belong to the Boy Scouts of America. You have a flag. Whatever, whatever you belong to, you have a flag. If you're coming from some other country, you have a flag. So the flag is the symbol of who we are. And when you become an American citizen, to whom do you pledge your allegiance from then on? Listen to this.
pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Rich, because we are America, we have checks and balances. I keep coming back to we the people are in charge, or we're supposed to be, unless we abdicate our responsibility. Like uh, like irresponsible parents. They're not watching their kids. They're not doing their job in their family. So the kids, of course, get into big trouble. But if the voters and the people and the citizens will stand up and put their big boy pants on and pay attention to what's happening in their country. It came to me a while back that somebody said America is an idea. It's not real estate. It's not rivers and bridges and uh, prairies and mountains. No, 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 no. America is an idea, is an idea. And when we do not respect that and work toward fulfilling the ideals that come with the idea, well, then Katie barred the door. That's just the way it is. Now, there's a lot of things. America is not perfect. America is not perfect. Believe me. But why do people want to come here instead of Americans go there? It's because America still represents ideally what everyone wants, except you've got to work at it. And then you've got to be sure that people are protected to have the freedom to access it if they are American citizens. Now, Johnny Cash recorded something years ago many years ago, and he speaks to this. Wait a minute, before we do that, uh, it really gets me when the NFL doesn't have the gumption to stand up and say, listen to the players. I mean, no, no, don't listen to the players, but telling the players to listen to them. If you wear our uniform and you're on our team, these are the rules of the game. And, uh, and, and when the flag is shown for heaven's sake, it's our rule and our responsibility to be sure that that flag is respected. Now, here's what Johnny Cash said. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench. An old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat, and I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key Said watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans With Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams And it almost fell at the Alamo Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on though 
She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag On Flanders Field in World War I She got a big hole from a Bertha gun She turned blood red in World War II She hung limp and low a time or two She was in Korea, Vietnam She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam She waved from our ships upon the briny foam And now they've about quit waving back here at home In her own good land here she's been abused She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag, cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Oh, that's right, that's right. You know, that's the symbol. That's the symbol of who we are as Americans and the freedom that we individually have and collectively have. And um, how do you feel about that, It's the values and the ideals of America. And we want people to come to America that want to become Americans and embrace those values and those ideals. There's a difference between people that want to come here to become Americans and people that just simply want to live here because of all the benefits. Yeah. Now, a lot of misery. By the way, by the way, I want to say this right now. <clears throat> People have been asking in our in our listener comment line. That's so important to us, folks. When you call our listener comment line, why we look at that because those are all transcribed and and um, and there were so many people that asked for a repeat of the Dr. Lawrence White message mm-hmm. on the sin of silence. The sin of silence that we that we had earlier, and they said, "When can you play that again? When can you re? I want to hear that program again. I want to tell other people about it." So let me say this: It will be rebroadcast on Bot Radio Network on Monday. Uh, that's this coming Monday. At uh, 2 o'clock, uh, tell, give the folks the time schedule, Rich. Right, 2 o'clock Central Time on uh, most of these bot radio network stations. And uh, in California, it'll be 2 o'clock Pacific Time. In Memphis, I believe it's at 1.30 Central Time. And in Fort Wayne, Indiana, it's 3.30 Eastern Time. Otherwise, you can expect it to be on at 2 o'clock Central Time. But that will be a... a um, a rebroadcast of Dr. Lawrence White's sermon, The Sin of Silence. And I mean to tell you that was powerful, wasn't it? That struck a nerve. A lot of people responded and loved that. It went right to the heart of somebody who says they're civilized, somebody who says they care, somebody who says they care about Mm -hmm. the least of these, 
and so on and so forth, but they do nothing. Mm. They just do nothing. So anyway, that'll be Monday. I want you to put that down. Now listen, what did the Lord say when they asked him, you know, uh, what is the best? And he said, well, that you love God. And everybody's, oh, I love God. You mean the greatest commandment? God, the greatest, yeah, sure, the greatest. But is he sure? What's the greatest commandment? The great. That's what they asked him. I love God with all my soul. With all I tell you, I'd do anything for God. And he said, now this is the Lord speaking. He said, the second commandment is like unto the first, that you love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's where we have trouble. Yeah, and he said, on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Are you listening, folks? Are you listening, folks? Because now we've been talking about Americans, but all Americans are not Christians, but people, for the most part, are listening about Radio Network are Christians. And uh, do we love our neighbor as ourselves? We don't have to be taught to love ourselves. That comes with the package, doesn't it? But to love your neighbor. Now, that doesn't mean not having self-respect. That doesn't need uh, not having self-improvement and all of that, all of that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But then do you have that provision for your neighbor just as yourself to enjoy being an American uh, in every way? Now, listen— mm. Love God and love your neighbor. Uh, this kind of puts it where I think it is. It's the Gaithers saying, loving God, loving each other. Listen to it. Loving God, loving each other, making music with my it harder, build steeples out of stone, fill books 
with explanations of the way. Larry, but if we'd stop, if we just stop to listen and just break a little more, <laughs> that'd be good, wouldn't it? That's when we'd all hear the Master say, That's as good as it gets. Sing with us. The story never ends, does it, until the Lord comes. That's when it ends. Otherwise, we have to contend with human nature, nasty old human nature, and one trying to get his foot on the neck of the next one. And uh, and, and that's what we contend with. Isn't that the seat of the problems that we face? That's sin. That's sin in our lives. But a loving God, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. Now, I tell you what, Rich, um, we were brought up in Christian families, my family, and then Mom and I brought you and your sisters and brother. But I tell you what, um, it becomes an abstract when you start giving that application. But I'll tell you, Ken Ham has meant so much in his lecture on one race, one blood. One race, one blood. And America had a big problem and still has a big problem as we need to work through that. It works both ways. It works both ways, you see. But but with, um, with this gentleman, Jonathan Alexander, of the Liberty Council, now, the Liberty Council is one of these law firms that help people with religious freedom and help people that are parents and they want their child to be homeschooled. And then somebody comes along and says, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. That kid belongs to me. And on and on and on. So Matt Staver started Liberty Council. To and stand up for religious liberty. That's exactly right. And Jonathan Alexander, why uh, he made this statement to describe who Martin Luther King was. Now, let me say it better than that. It's Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, because I'll tell you, I'm old enough to where I watch that like a hawk, and I did a lot of thinking all through that. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? But the leader is the one that has to take, take, take the problem and lead the people if they will follow. And uh, this is what Jonathan Alexander said. Hi, 
I'm Jonathan Alexander, the Director of Public Policy for Liberty Council and Liberty Council Action. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is widely celebrated today as the most notable icon of the civil rights movement. But perhaps he ought to be celebrated first and foremost for his role as a preacher and as a Christian pastor. King's role as a Christian minister was at the heart of everything that he sought to achieve in the civil rights movement. As the pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, Dr. King based not only his preaching, but also his political philosophy and his commitment to justice on his religious beliefs. Dr. King came from a deep legacy of faith, and his faith was one that saw its best fruition in the moments of crisis, adversity, courage, and the hope of a better tomorrow. These principles resound deeply today as we celebrate the life of this man who changed America for the better. For Dr. King, faith was the source of his courage, especially in the moments, the difficult moments of the civil rights movement. In one sermon, King shared how the Lord fortified him in his fight for justice. King said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now and faltering and losing my courage. And I can't let the people see me like this. Because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to be weak. Dr. King said it seemed that at that moment he could hear an inner voice saying to him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. King said it's as if he heard the voice of Jesus saying that I will never leave you, never leave you alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Dr. King did not simply hold on to this abiding faith personally, but he also challenged the members of the civil rights movement to also maintain this faith. In his autobiography, when explaining just what motivated the participants of the civil rights movement, he wrote, it was Jesus of Nazareth that stirred the Negroes to protest with the creative weapon of the love of Christ, furnishing the spirit. Dr. King said the nonviolent movement was an expression of Christianity in action. Today, Reverend King's dreams are embodied in our continued desire for liberty and justice to be the theme of our society. But for many, his legacy is one not just of rights, but of one motivated by faith. It is that same faith that compels ministries and organizations and people of faith all over the country to give so much of themselves so that our families and our communities are strong and prosperous. Expressions of this faith are protected by the First Amendment. They're practiced by millions of adherents all over the world and are the deep and abiding identity of a people that in the borrowed words of Dr. King, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. You know, Rich, when I was listening to that, I couldn't help, and I want to say this again because I know a lot of our audience still does not know this, but his name, first of all, was Michael, and we didn't know that. But when I checked it and did some research, talked to members of his own family, they said, oh, yes, because their grandfather was named Michael King. Um, he was the pastor in, in Atlanta, and then he studied the Reformation about Martin Luther and saw how Martin Luther paid a price for what he thought was right and decent. And he was so impressed, the father now, 
while Martin Luther King Jr. was just a boy, the father said, I want to change my name to Martin Luther King. And he disbanded the name Michael. Of course, the family, according to what we heard from the family, they, they always referred to him as Mikey, the boy, Mikey, and so on and so forth. But his name was Martin Luther King Jr. because of his father's admiration for studying Martin Luther and the Reformation. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and they say that the, the people that knew him from, from boyhood uh, still referred to him as Mike, yeah. as kind of a nickname. All right, well, let's see. Give that listener comment line again. Sure. And then I want to remember the listeners, tell them now on Monday at 2 o'clock Central, and then in California it's 2 o'clock uh, Pacific, in Pacific, and, but uh, otherwise— 1.30 in Memphis and uh, 3.30 Eastern in uh, Fort Wayne, we're Indiana. We're going to repeat this sermon by Dr. Lawrence White, The, the Sin, Sin of, Silence. of Silence. You know, if the church would wake up and, uh, and do their job, why, the church is made up of people— Congregations. Yeah. It's a and absolutely. It's a powerful pro-life message, uh, right on the heels of yeah. the March for Life in we, Washington. Well, give give the listener comment. One eight hundred three four five two six two one. And we thank our, there's so many people that call and, and give us their comments on the listener line. One eight hundred three four five two six two one. This is Dick and Rich Bott in the studio here, um, with the privilege and the pleasure of talking to our audience. Uh, with a complete story. We'll see you later. 